Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. is up fight fans we welcome you into another edition of inside boxing live thank you so much for being a part of the show this week boxing world buzzing some positive energy has entered the fray as terrence crawford and sean porter fight is now official which joins a very strong list of upcoming fights uh this fall uh with an asterisk next to it you have to put that asterisk next to it i'm very aware of that but i'm remaining positive joining us on the show this week, Ariel Hawani, the great MMA reporter from MMA Fighting, does some work with BT Sport, formerly of ESPN. A great interview with Ariel on uh, the overall health of boxing, the MMA versus boxing debate, the business side of things. Anderson Silva, what's next for him? Uh, Jake Paul and that whole uh, thing that's going on uh, in boxing, which is, uh, I believe, a-, a good thing. So you get Ariel's thoughts on that. I truly think uh, you're really going to enjoy uh, this conversation with Ariel. Good friend and uh, uh, really fun interview with ariel but the big story this week is terrence crawford and sean porter fight uh being made official uh the purse bid that we all wanted to watch on facebook uh was delayed for two weeks and outright canceled and that's a good thing uh because it means that they were able to hammer out a deal pbc and top rank get this fight done it's good to see them working together they can work together to make fights if it makes dollars it makes sense i truly believe this will be a a good piece of business for terrence crawford uh and top rank and pbc uh and sean porter but shout out to the wbo we like to get on these sanctioning bodies and rightfully so they do a lot of shady things but they did not need to sanction this fight they did not need to order this fight Terrence Crawford is the champion at WBO. The number two ranked or number one ranked contender is Virgil Ortiz. Behind him is Sean Porter. It is unprecedented for a sanctioning body to jump over a fighter like Virgil Ortiz and make this fight between Porter and Crawford, but it's very much needed and is very much wanted. I think that the sanctioning bodies can do a lot more good. They can wield their power for good if they they put more pressure and they order these types of fights. Puts pressure on the promoters, puts pressure on the fighters. Because if Terrence Crawford didn't take this fight, he would have relinquished uh, his WBO belt, and you know that he doesn't want to do that. As for the actual fight itself, this is undoubtedly Crawford's toughest fight to date. He's coming off a year-long layoff. His last fight was against uh, Kell Brook, where he dominated. Uh, But I believe that he's still in his prime. Is he on the tail end of his prime at age 34? That is up for debate. But you take a look at his 47.5 power connect rate, Ranks number three, just percentage points behind Canelo and Lomachenko. His defense remains elite, only getting hit with 21% of his overall connects. And now he undoubtedly has a very worthy dance partner in Sean Porter. Enter Sean Porter. The guy is a dog. Uh, His resume is long. This is going to be Crawford's toughest test. Sean Porter is going to be right up in Terrence Crawford's grill like he was against Errol Spence. A really tough fight for Spence. There isn't a welterweight today that throws more power punches per round than Sean Porter. 38 of his 54 punches thrown per round are power shots. Just ask that role Spence. But the question in this fight, the biggest tactical question in this fight, is will Porter exchange? Will he be willing to stand in front 
of the very powerful Crawford. That is the biggest question in this fight. You take a look at Porter's resume, you've got to take your hat off to him. It now includes Devin Alexander, Kel Brook, Adrian Broner, Keith Thurman, Danny Garcia, Dennis Ugas, Errol Spence, and now Terrence Crawford. So hats off to the fighters. Hats off to the WBO. Hats off to the promoters. It is a great time to be a boxing fan. I promise you that. Uh, the, the deal was made, and it joins the long list now of very intriguing fights uh, this fall that I truly believe will happen. Without further ado, here he is, the man, Ariel Helwani. Our next interview is brought to you by the Fit Warrior brand, proudly serving boxing's next generation of stars since 2016. Go check them out at ftwr.com. And without further ado, here is the man of the hour of the MMA hour. It's Ariel Hawani of MMA Fighting, of BT Sport, Spotify, Ringer. He's got a sub stack. He's on ca- Are you on Cameo, Ariel? I am. I am on Cameo. <laughs> I had a two-month hiatus there, and I was like, you know what? Let's do the Cameo thing. And it's been pretty good. Yeah, so Ariel's everywhere now, and he's reporting on boxing. He's reporting on MMA. He's reporting on wrestling. So uh, it's been a good stretch for you, and uh, you're also in the boxing world now, too, covering that Jake Paul fight for Showtime, and I'm happy to have you here on Inside Boxing Live, Ariel. Oh, this is great. I'm a big fan, as you know. Uh, I believe this is the preeminent boxing podcast slash show. You do a fantastic job. get big guests. Um, I really like what you're doing. Uh, Dare I say, I think you should be uh, more respected and more viewed and more listened to in the world of boxing. There's a lot of interesting characters in the world of boxing media, as you well know. And I always think that you are on point with your your takes and your guests and your viewpoints. So honored to be here. I, I feel like, uh, you know, all I had to do was was one Showtime event, and now I'm kind of accepted <laughs> in the world of boxing. Or maybe I'm not. I don't know. But it's good to be here nonetheless. Yeah, we had a legitimate talk. Mind you first. You had to become legit. You had to be next to al bernstein first in order to make yes. your appearance here i appreciate th- those words and i agree people should listen more because yeah. I spit that fire i spit that fire but let's talk um man where do we even start uh you're the perfect guest for this week because the last couple of weeks in boxing it's been this mma versus boxing i wouldn't even say experiment anymore because it feels like it's it's here to stay uh i read your 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 sub stack on uh, the holyfield thriller event which was just absolute madness uh but I do want to start with something positive to come out of it, and that's Anderson Silva. And I feel like his run now in this whole MMA turn boxer thing is one positive that came out of that show. And I also think it's one positive to come out of this whole entire thing we're seeing with MMA fighters heading over to boxing. Can you put into words what it means to have Anderson Silva have this resurgence in boxing? Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Um, here's a guy who literally for the past 10, 11 years was openly begging to box. This was in his prime when he was champion of the UFC, when he was the pound for pound king, the face of the UFC in many respects, defending his middleweight title, moving up to light heavyweight. Every fight openly begging the UFC brass to let him box. And his dream was to box Roy Jones. And they said no, and they said no, and they said no. And then, of course, he loses the title and you know he sticks around and then goes on this losing streak and then his contract expires and now he's a free man. And it's really been one of the feel-good stories of the year in my opinion, in boxing, but especially in MMA, to see Anderson Silva at 46, who was kind of left for dead, who was, you know, brushed off to the side. I mean, this guy didn't get, yeah, I joked about this recently. I know you're somewhat of a pro wrestling fan, right? Yeah. Um, You know, 
WWE gets a lot of heat for releasing guys and all this stuff. It's part of the business. And they'll always send out a tweet or post something on their website, you know, we wish so-and-so well in their future endeavors. And that's it. Like it's become a gimmick in its own right. Like that one line, you've been featured endeavored uh, or future endeavored. Um, Anderson didn't even get that from the UFC. He didn't even get a tweet. He didn't get, he didn't get a mention. He didn't get a video package. He got nothing for all the years of being the man in the UFC. And now he finally gets to go to boxing, which is where he always wanted to be. Um, and he fights, you know, I know Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is not who he once was, or maybe who we all thought he was going to be, but he outclassed him. And we saw shades of old Anderson in that fight. And it was so nice. And then he comes back on this one. Now I never liked this matchup to begin with, because to me, it, okay, this whole, like, I don't want to see Anderson do MMA ever again. I want to see him ride out this boxing thing till the very end. I certainly don't want to see him box other MMA legends. Like, that's not interesting yeah, to me. I want to see, yeah, I want to see him box boxers, uh, young and old, whatever. And so this matchup was a little funky, but just to see him moving around, to see him get the win, it's been a beautiful story. And you know what's really interesting? Anderson has a past with PEDs multiple times. And yet some guys like Vitor, get branded with that brush forever. Other guys like Anderson, because of what they meant for the sport, it's almost like people want to forget about it and they just want to revel in his success now. And it's really nice to see. So I'm happy for him and, and I'm really curious to see where he goes from here. Like if I'm a Showtime, if I'm a, a PBC or something, like I'm signing Anderson Silva and I'm seeing where this goes because he's a pretty good boxer. Like is I know he's 46. Is he signed with Triller? No. Is, he, is he just like an independent like you are? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's independent Anderson, like <laughs> independent Ariel. But don't you think like there's a, a, at least some sort of curiosity? For, he's not embarrassing himself. He can move. I know he's 46, but uh, I feel like there's something there for well, a couple more fights. Well, listen, he did the he did the boxing world favors. He got in their good graces right away by defeating yeah. uh, Chavez Jr., who, let's be honest, is out of all these uh, box MMA guys fighting boxers, he's a legitimate guy. He's a guy just a few years removed from having a title run fighting Canelo. Uh, yeah. So that was a huge win that showed that he had it uh, in him. And, but I do think there is a lot of like good aura around Silva. The fact that he's just a legend. And it's funny with the PED stuff. It's funny how, what guys get brandished as drug cheats. We're seeing what Oscar Valdez in the boxing world, that's going to follow him his entire career. And what guys were afraid to just kind of like, ah, I'm not going to look at that. And you see it in baseball too, with like David Ortiz guy failed yeah. one of the first ever PED tests in 2003, but he's not known as that because he's such a good guy. It just shows you uh, how you can rebuild your, your career. And Silva is definitely rebuilding his career. So how does this play out for him? Like, how does it end? Man, I think it ends with a couple more fights, at least. Um, I don't see him slowing down. Like, I don't think he wants to go till 55 or anything like that. But I'm being serious. Like, I, I don't think there's a, you know, we could get into the whole Triller thing. Who knows how long they're going to be around. Uh, I have said openly, like, who knows if that Teofimo Lopez fight even happens, right? It's not that on was, Ticketmaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it was, it was a cool thing on that one day when they won the purse bid, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of uh, red flags there. And so I would love to see him hook up with a Showtime, another, you know, outlet that is putting on legitimate fights. And, you know, I don't want to see him fight guys who are 24, 25, but I would love to see him fight guys who are around 38, 39, who are still somewhat good and in their relative primes and see how far this goes. We, I think, as the MMA community are so happy 
that he is doing well because we all knew how much this meant to him. Like he openly talked about this while he was the goat, while he was the man, he openly talked. So to see that smile, to see everything going on in the ring with him, like to me, that was the story of Saturday. It should have been the story. And it was so weird afterwards seeing the Triller guys, Ryan Cavanaugh and company, you know, kind of hitch their wagon to Vitor. I'm like, you guys know you have the greatest fighter of all time in, in many people's eyes in the co-main and you're just kind of like brushing him off yeah, to the side. Yeah. That's the guy you should be hitching your wagon to. Not Vitor, in my opinion. And, yeah, we, and I mean, I'm not trying to hate on Vitor, but there's levels, you know? I mean, there, it was just so forced. It was so, like, you know, not organic with the, the Belfort. I don't want to get into the, all that afterwards. But you're right. Silva was a guy that was that was linked to Roy Jones for years. And this is when uh, they were both somewhat in their prime. And I know Jones love a piece of him now, but that won't end pretty. Because Silva's actually has that boxing ability. That's his first love. So uh, that's interesting. And I love you brought up the fact that you don't want to see him against a, a, a 24-year-old. Perfect segue into Jake Paul, who was on your show uh, this past week and uh, a lot was revealed in, in that interview because it comes down to what's next for Jake Paul because there are a lot of boxing fans and just people in general that want to see this train get derailed. They want to see it end. So they're looking at the list of potential uh, opponents for Jake Paul and he brought, you know, Silva is one of them out there, which I don't really think it makes sense because like he said himself, beating up on an older legend it's just that whole narrative that's it's there already. And I think there's something else for him. The Masvidal thing. I think we can just cut that out, right? Because of the ironclad UFC contracts, what you just talked about. With, with I mean, Silva. they made what the McGregor think? fight. They made the McGregor fight with Mayweather and there was a huge issue there with Showtime and they got over that. Now, is this a bigger fight? No. Is it as big of a fight? No. But can I just say something about something you just said? Because I agree with what you're saying in terms of a lot of people want to see the Jake Paul thing come to an end. And then I also hear people saying, you know, what an indictment on boxing, what a black eye for boxing all this stuff is <laughs> at the same time. And my two takes on that is, number one, the fact that all this is happening now in boxing, MMA guys going to boxing, Jake Paul going to boxing, social media guys going to boxing, to me is actually an indication that boxing is super healthy, that boxing is cool, that people want to be a part of boxing. They're not going to MMA because A, they realize there's not a lot of money there. B, they say, okay, let me go here. It could be a big event. You know, it's kind of the Wild West with the different networks and streaming platforms. Like, this is where I can make money. But it's also a cool thing. Thanks to the likes of Canelo and Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua and Terrence Crawford. Like, boxing is cool. This isn't an indication. When boxing is cool or when anything is cool, then you get the leeches and the stuff like that that try to imitate. When it's not, when it's a dead piece of wood, there's no one that wants to be a part of it. So number one. Number two, you know what is so quote-unquote boxing? It's people hoping that the Jake Paul experiment comes to an end and not recognizing that Jake Paul is doing a lot of great things for boxing. Just ask Montana Love, just ask Amanda Serrano, ask Daniel Dubois, ask Tommy Fury if Jake Paul is good for boxing. Those guys got a huge platform on a Sunday night in Cleveland in late August when, let's be honest, people aren't talking about Montana Love and Ivan Branchik on a Sunday night in Cleveland in late August on Showtime. Like he is doing, there's a trickle down effect. Now, if he would have stayed in the Triller model and he's fighting on cards, you know, above Joe Fournier and, and David Hay, then yeah, like this is all kind of like a cash grab and there's no future. This guy, the trickle-down effect is leading to other people knowing who the Montana loves of the world are, and God knows who else is going to be on the card. So why would you want that to end? No, you're right. This is good for boxing. So, yeah, sorry for going on the tangent. No, but no, it you're, you're parroting exactly what I've been saying since day one, that you have to separate. The nuance is, is, is necessary for this in a world where there really isn't any nuance, especially on Twitter. It's one thing or another. I, wanna, I hate Jake Paul. 
uh, I love Jake Paul. There is no middle ground. And the middle ground is everything that you just illustrated, what he's doing for the fighter pay, what he's doing, uh, going after the UFC and it's right on in its own right is a, a great thing. And you're right, though, it, it, you have to take a look at it. And it, it takes like a deeper thought to see that the boxing model is aesthetically pleasing when it, it just the whole night you were there. That's probably the biggest boxing event you've ever been to, right? Uh, outside I mean, of uh, Mayweather, Mayweather McGregor. Me right in the balls there, Dan. I mean, <laughs> I've been to some big events. I was at Yuri Foreman fighting against Miguel Cotto at Yankee too. Stadium. I mean, I that was there. a scene. I was in the Yankee been, bullpen. I've been to Arturo Gatti fighting in Montreal. Okay, I'm not some noob here. All right, just to let you <laughs> but know. I, but in terms of the, the the arena, look, I said it last last week. Whenever we were talking about the fight, the fight had everything. It had. The buzz yeah. had the attention. It had the uh, sold out arena. It had people talking about it. it had everyone was charged up. The, did the fight exactly, you know, matriculate into a good fight? Not really, but everything was there. That wasn't a stinker. It wasn't a stinker. No, it wasn't thing. because we saw Jake Paul pushed up against. We saw things that we didn't see out of, of Jake right. Paul and went the distance, and there was drama involved. But my main dare I say, Dan, dare I say, was it an MMA card in the way it was constructed? A little something for everyone. You had the one female fight there. You had the prospect Dubois. You had Tommy Fury, you know, the sort of, oh, I'm interested in this guy and his back. Like it felt more to me, a, an, it felt like an old school strike force showtime card that had something for everyone. The curiosity factor, the up and comer, the legit star, the, the female fight. We dare I say you need a little more of that in boxing, not just the one fight card, not just the one no. and a half fight card, right? Like no, to me, the, the fans were there before the card even started. Yes, the, it was it was great. <laughs> you go to a Barclays Center for a PVC show, and when I get there, it's you know six seven o'clock for our report time, and you can hear a pin drop in there, and you got guys fighting in there. It, yeah, it, it's definitely a good thing, and and we're not gonna you don't have to sit here and, and praise Jake Paul because everyone knows where I stand on it. Uh, uh, I think what you just said, you, you parroted, but there are people that do want to see this derail. That's part of yeah. his allure. And that's part of him seeing who's next. Like, what's the next thing? Like, I, I love the fact that how he can reinvent himself, how he can now, you know, with Fury, not looking good in that fight with Paul kind of not looking that great either, but getting the win, you know, he has to go back to the drawing board and I'm interested to see how this guy can reinvent a fight. It, it, to me, it's super interesting. And it's something that I think that all boxers need to take a page from. Well, what's also interesting about it is it becomes like almost this game where he's the lottery ticket and you have all these people coming after him, but it's not just in one lane. It's not just in the boxing lane. You have the MMA fighters who are coming after him. You have the celebrities and all that stuff. I hope he doesn't go down that path. It doesn't look like he's going to go down that path anymore, at least for the time being. And so at least for now, you have these two different lanes with options. Now, yes, it's going to be hard to make a fight against a fellow fighter who's fighting in the UFC. Uh, that's, that's, you know, that would be fun. The Masvidal fight would be big. It would do great business for all involved, but I don't think the UFC really wants to play ball with him and or Showtime at the moment. It kind of feels like of the options out there, and again, why that card was so great in terms of how it was constructed, in my opinion, was usually on, 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 a, on a good MMA card in the past, you've seen kind of like a thread between maybe the first fight and the last fight, and this guy might, or the co-main and the last fight. And so Tommy was there to impress. I don't think he impressed the way we all wanted him to impress. He was fighting a guy who had fought at 135, 145, 155. He should have, at the very least, knocked him down, let alone stop him. The change in rounds was very bizarre to me uh, the night before the, the weigh-ins. 
That being said, he's got the background, he's got the following, he's at a similar skill set, he's at a similar size. It kind of feels like the best route, at least for now. And then maybe next summer, when a potential Nathan Diaz is available oh, yeah. and done with his contract, and maybe a Jorge, now we're talking about some big fights. Like to me, Diaz versus Jake Paul would be oh baby absurd. And Diaz has the boxing background too. Like I don't think that's a crazy fight in its own right. So there are options for him. They just have to pick the right guy next. And I would love to see him get one more in by the end of the year, maybe you know mid to late December, end the year on a high note, and then 2022 could be really, really interesting for Jake Paul and company. Yeah, it's hard to do what he just did, that event that we saw in August, every single time out. Uh, it's yeah. really hard to do that, to, to first of all, get the uh, public involved that much, to find the right dance partner. So Fury's there, and I, I believe that's the fight uh, that I said after immediately filing you still have to make it because it's a fight it's a he can say listen i actually fought a boxer he comes from a, a bloodline whatever that whole marketing thing that the fury's got going on and you can there's it's sellable and interestingly enough if they put that fight over in the uk and jake paul can Man. run amok in the uk and be an international heel that can add intrigue to it. I just don't know if, if Showtime wants to go across the pond right now. I don't know if it's even feasible given. Uh, Does the Jake COVID. Paul want, want, you know, UK judges as well? Like they would, <laughs> I mean, we yeah. had one guy in Cleveland give it to Woodley. I love Woodley. I don't know how you scored that fight for Woodley. I thought maybe one to two rounds at most. But yes, no, that would be incredible. I mean, could you imagine John Fury, Tyson Fury, Tommy Fury against the Paul brothers? I mean, it would be insanity. The well, only if you bummer would be... maximize the dollars, that's just, I mean, if you want to maximize the dollars, you, you go across the pond because it's something that they don't, they haven't seen this act yet. Right. Well, didn't he, is, is, wasn't his, uh, his amateur fight in the UK? The first one with, with who was it, with Gibb or... No, you he, know what's he, funny is that... He has an amateur fight. Gibb was pro, quote bro, unquote. That was in my There was an amateur fight on the card where I think his brother fought KSI and I think that was in Manchester, if memory serves me correct. But it wasn't yes. on my radar yet then. <laughs> I don't think it was on a lot of uh, boxing fans' radar, the Pauls, because he fought in Miami on that yeah. Seven Farmer card and he was the co-main event and I was there and it, he was almost, I wouldn't say an afterthought, but I didn't even think about Jake Paul ascending to where he is today, so... If you could take the, the hater uh, shades off, you could see that this guy is doing. Uh, a can good I ask thing. you a question? Do you get, like, I get when he's on the show and it's becoming less and less, but I'll still get like, you know, messages last night like, oh, you're such a disgrace. First, I'll get, you know, why is he on an MMA show? Meanwhile, all the opponents we're talking about for him, for the most part, are MMA guys. He yeah. keeps talking about the UFC pay structure, not the boxing pay structure. He's very much an MMA story, believe it or not. I mean, his manager used to work for the UFC, all that stuff. And B, um, he's just a really fascinating guy, and I think a very smart guy. Do you get hate when you talk about him? Do you, do, you, do people say like, ah, oh, I'm done with you? Like that's what I get. I'm unfollowing yeah. you. I'm done. How dare you spit in the face of the true <laughs> fight fans? Like, what are you taking this so seriously? First like, of all, there's so no bad? moral high ground in boxing. There's there's right. nothing, there's no uh, you know uh, pearl clutching going on in the sport of boxing. There's so many other issues. T today currently uh where jake paul would be very low on the list but yeah i get some people saying like why are you talking about this uh this that and, and the other but listen the guy like you said he's very interesting and if you can take the, the hater shades off and you can just see some of the the what's coming from it there's no doubt that he's an interesting figure but yeah i get that too it's just okay it, it never ends but i want to ask you about um the the scorecards did you see yesterday wbc judge stephen blia who scored the valdez fight 117 110 which was an abomination of a card he issued an apology i oh. have never seen that have you ever seen such i've not seen that i've not where did he do it on social media uh, the wbc put out the statement in conjunction with him he's a wbc uh 
I don't employee or WBC judge. He hadn't judged a, a championship fight since 2019. The Valdez fight was close. It was two other judges had it 115, 112 for Valdez. I had Cancio winning, but the fact that the judge put out an apology, accountability, uh, is is unprecedented. So I'll say a couple of things there. I don't love when it's like a WBC guy or a commission guy because that obviously leads to uh, you know a whole bunch of issues. Um, I loved. I don't know. Did you watch the Triller card on Saturday? Yeah, I worked it. You worked it. Oh, you worked it for. Okay, but, stats. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes, I used your stats. Um, no, but did you? Were you listening to the uh, the Trump feed or no, the regular? I wasn't. I didn't get the Trump one. The Trump feed was was very interesting. Let me tell you, it was very interesting. Anyway, at one point, Junior Dos Santos, former UFC heavyweight champion, was trying to explain to Trump Senior <laughs> about these scorecards. Like yeah. it went, and 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 actually. To his credit, Trump seemed rather interested in the whole controversy. Um, that's something that I've been saying and pushing for for quite some time, accountability, accountability with the commissioners, with the judges, with the referees. We certainly don't get it in MMA. And I love sometimes, you know, it was interesting. Um, that was my first boxing event that I worked in that capacity, obviously, the the Paul Woodley fight. And when we were going through the you know, the post-fight interviews and whatnot, they said, you know, if there's a controversy, we'll let you know if the referee will be available or it's, you know, whatever, commissioner, whatever. Um, that would never, be, like, you cannot talk to the referee in an MMA event um, or at a UFC, whatever. And to me, I want to see more of that. And so it, it always kind of drives me nuts, like when there's some kind of controversy and the person who has to answer those questions, and it's not fair to him, my feelings towards him aside, like Dana White should not be answering about like some referee's mistake mm -hmm. or judge's mistake and stuff like that. So I hope that there's more. And I really think that there there should be um, a, a push to have a Bob Bennett, an Andy Foster, whomever show up with the commission, with, with the with the judge, with the referee in question at the post-fight press conference and answer the questions. Right. Why we is We know that's never going to happen. But you know, in the NBA, no, but you're right. You're right. In the NBA, MLB, they do it. In MLB, there's a pool, there's a pool reporter. You yes. go to the guy with a bunch of questions, yep. and then you come back, and at least there's some kind of yep. accountability, some kind of uh, response, mm -hmm. reasoning for a controversial call. Here, it's like, up, oh, see you later, and the fighter has to answer for it. The coach has to, everyone who had nothing to do with it has to answer for it, and that drives me nuts. Well, I've been to uh, at fights when it's almost like the judges, they come in at the last second. Like they like kind of just unannounced. They just show up at their perch. Yeah. And when the fight's over, they vanish. Wow. They yeah. literally burst into dust and they're gone and you don't hear yeah. from them. But the MLB does something, which I think at the very least combat sports can institute. Like you just said with the NBA, uh, with the NBA, they have at the end of a series. One umpire speaks to one reporter. And yep. that one reporter gets all the questions of what happened in this series. And usually by the whatever happens in the first game, by the third game, it's not, or the fourth game, it's not really news anymore, but at least you have an answer. But it's baby steps. Just to see a judge say, I messed up. I had a terrible scorecard. I'm going to go get more training. I'm going to go to the NABF uh, festival, whatever that is, because they are festivals. Well, I don't know if you ever know that whole story. When they put on these conventions, they're big vacations at this point. But I'm going to go and get better, which something that I, I respected at first, but still, why was this guy appointed? Get to the root of the issue. Why was a, a WBC judge that hadn't judged a championship fight since 2019 on such a heavily scrutinized card with all the things that Valdez went through? That's the problem to me. Yeah, um, they, they had the same issue in Ohio, by the way, a ton of inexperienced uh, judges and referees. 
Um, again, we don't have this in MMA where it's like, you know, a, a, a sanctioning body um, putting officials in a fight, but you do have a situation where the UFC, the major leagues of MMA goes to say Oklahoma city for a random fight night. And all of a sudden the commission in Oklahoma is putting its buddies, you know, the one dude who runs the karate dojo down the street. And he's now all of a sudden refereeing and judging, you know, major MMA fights. Like that's crazy to me. That's why I have actually, and I know some people don't like this. I've actually pushed for maybe the discussion to be uh, centered around a national commission and just having, you know, a United States commission and a guy like Andy Foster, who I think, you know, is the best of the best right now in California overseeing. And now you're, and I know it would be a tall task and we're reinventing the wheel, but you should not be going to Cleveland for a major event with a lot of eyeballs and some dude who has ref two fights in his life you know, in there, in the co-main event, like that's just wrong. It needs to, when, when, when the NBA went to Oklahoma city, when the thunder moved there from Seattle, it wasn't open season for the, you know, the local Y referees to start refereeing NBA games. No, there's a system in place and there's guys who get dispersed and that's the way the, it should work. And it should especially work that way in combat sports, in my opinion. No, you're right. It's, 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 so these things happen in MMA too. I think boxing fans, they, or MMA fans have such, you know, they, they're on their high horse sometimes looking down at boxing we don't have bad scorecards. We don't have corruption. No. Yeah, you do. Every, it's the fight game. Okay? It's, yes. the fight, it's the Wild West. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, Ariel, uh, we can get into the whole WBA nonsense and all that, but I'm trying to stay positive. I am a yeah. positive person, uh, almost to a fault when it comes to boxing. And this last couple of weeks have been rough. Uh, every time I put out a, like a positive tweet about the upcoming boxing schedule, it just the replies are just, oh, every, this fight's going to get canceled and we can't have good things. What's one part of boxing? that you wish MMA was like? Oh man, one part. There's a lot of parts. Um, well, I'll tell you like the, fir- the first thing that just came to mind was the pay. I wish MMA fighters were getting, you know, of equal status and popularity and skill level were getting paid, um, you know, what, what the boxers are getting paid, number one. I wish um, the MMA fighters had the freedom that the boxers had to have their own sponsors, to wear what they want. I mean, like, look at, look at Paul and Woodley. Like, Paul had a freaking LED screen on his shorts. I'm not saying that that has to happen, but like just to be yourself. I grew up loving boxing, loving Tyson, loving what he wore all black with the black boots and the towel over. And, you know, guys like like Gotti was my favorite. Roy Jones wearing, you know, Jumpman. Like that, that's cool. And that's who they are. That's part of their personality. In the UFC, everyone looks the same and it drives me nuts. Like I love, people get on me it's like it's about the fights it's about the fights no i love the posters i love dissecting the posters i love dissecting you know like the promos like i love everything about the fight game i, I love all the ancillary stuff just as much as the fights the walkouts the music the entrances all that stuff and so i wish there was that obviously the muhammad ali act is a huge thing we have nothing close to that in the world of mma that's a really big thing as well i love you know little things like purse bids we don't have that um you know as crazy as those can be it's, I want the fighters to make as much as possible. Like, I don't want to see them reach 38, 39 and be like, man, I have nothing to show for my entire career. Or like an Anderson who has to now box at 46 to try to make up for lost time. Um, and so all, like from the business side of things, I love that. And I, I love that it's like, you know, it's it's structured more about like, oh, okay, we're gonna go to this network and do this. Like, oh, it's funny. A lot of the stuff that boxing fans and boxing media complain about, I wish we had an MMA. <laughs> Dude, you said, you, know, you said it perfectly. You said it perfectly because you said it perfectly because it's a catch 22. If you 
polled 10 boxing fans, I guarantee you 10 of them would say, I wish we had a Dana White. I wish we had an overarching just one thing like UFC, NBA, NFL. Wish we had that. But do you really wish that? If you, if you, if you did get if that? If you're a true boxing fan, I would say, and you love the fighters, that's not what you're hoping for. Because, yes, I get it. For as, as, a, as, a, as a fan, on a Saturday night, you want to see Crawford fight Spence or something like that? It's a lot easier for that to happen if they were all under one umbrella. I get it. I truly get it. But if you love these fighters – and you're fans of them, and you want them to make as much money before their time is up, you want there to be as many options. You want it to be the boxing model, not the pro wrestling model where it's like, you know, one dominant league and maybe a second one. You want it to be more like boxing so that they could go out and make as much money. It might annoy you because you won't get Fury Joshua or it's going to be a real long, drawn-out thing until you get it like Mayweather and Pacquiao. But trust me, if you love these fighters, you want it to be more like that model than the one we have in MMA. Yeah, you're right. Because I've I've posed this this question or this this conundrum a, a bunch of times. It's the UFC. You're watching great fights week after week, and you're getting that satisfaction of I'm seeing a great fight. But in the back of your mind, do you care that they're not getting properly compensated? In you boxing, it is like a balance. It's like that's the one thing boxing fans can say to MMA fans. I see this all the time when MMA fans shoot down at boxing fans. You see boxing fans shooting up, saying, "Well, at least our guys are paid." At least, uh, you know, they don't have to, you know, take the side jobs and and they don't have to go on social media and say, I don't have insurance and, and this, that and the other. But it comes down to as a boxing fan, are you OK with uh, these drawn out processes because you know that the fighters are getting well compensated, but you're not going to get the best fights? It's a it's something that uh, other sports fans don't have to deal with. I would also say as media, I love the fact that you have, you know, promoters, managers to talk to, like you have the Lou DeBellas of the world, you have, you know, all these, you know, you don't get the Al Heyman's of the world, you can't speak to him. Has anyone gotten an Al Heyman interview ever? Has no. that ever? I've, I've seen him once. I was at Mayweather Cotto. I was right out of college. I was working as a celebrity spotter for HBO. Nice. And, uh, <laughs> and of all things, a celebrity spotter. And uh, I was running around the locker rooms. And after the fight, Bieber was in the locker room, 50 Cent, Triple H. Uh, I was certainly not supposed to be there, but I was. And uh, Al Heyman comes walking in. And this is before PBC was even a thing. And someone said, oh, that's Al Heyman. It got quiet in the room. And I was like, what's everyone getting so, what's, what's going on? It's like a celebration. And he just moseyed in. He said a few words to, uh, to Floyd and he was gone. But no one has ever interviewed the guy. Is there a reason for that? A, uh, he just chooses not to be in the forefront and he gets criticized for it. And this is an ongoing thing in the boxing world where Eddie Hearn is front and center and Eddie Hearn sometimes doesn't deliver the biggest fights. He gives you promoter talk, but he's front and center. He's controlling the narrative where PBC likes to do things behind the scenes. They have a, a Tim Smith. I don't know if you ever met Tim Smith, mm -hmm. he, uh, formerly of daily news. Now he's the PBC's uh, main PR guy. He kind of is the guy that, that is the go-to guy when it comes to speaking on behalf of the company, but you can't deny that Heyman, the, the fighters never complain about Heyman. Uh, if this summer, if there wasn't for such all these cancellations, every big fight was a PBC fight. Uh, you can say that they their fighters don't work well with other fighters, but we're seeing Tyson Fury fight Deontay Wilder. We're seeing Terrence Crawford fight Sean Porter. So if the if it makes sense, it's it's going to happen. But yeah, Heyman he just doesn't speak, and it, it just leads to the allure of him. And you know, if you talk to anyone in the industry, they all have good things to say about him. So all that being said, I love the characters as well, right? Like like, like I like the posters and all that stuff. And so I feel like you guys have a lot of characters. Like Dana White does a great job. He's a great character. He doesn't talk to a lot of us these days anymore. Um, but you have, you know, 
Bella and Eddie Hearn, I think is a great character, polarizing, no doubt. But I like these, Bob is getting older, I get that. But each one, for the most part, I know PBC is, is the exception to the rule, even like the Frank Warrens of the world. I love these characters. And sometimes it's a lot of BS, it's a lot of promoter speak. But not only do you get the promoters, you get the managers, you get all these, even another example, I just like the way it's structured. On the Friday, was it the Friday? Yeah, it was like the it was the Friday before Jake Paul. So it was the day before the weigh-in. They had uh, you know like a coaches roundtable where you know uh, Woodley's head coaches head trainers were there and um, Jake's uh, you know BJ Flores was there with a couple other guys. None of those guys are ever available to us in MMA. Now, of course, I know most of them. I could find them. I could text them, this and that. But I think it's cool. Even at the press conferences, you'll have you know Pacquiao up there next to Freddie Roach back in the day. Those guys are never at the. I love that stuff. You got the the main event presser and then the undercard. Like I just think there's a lot of things in boxing that MMA can learn from. Now I know shoe on the other foot. A lot of boxing people will be like, oh, I wish it's like the UFC. They probably don't really understand how the sausage is made, and they do stuff as well that is very good. This is not all hate towards the UFC. They do a lot of things and have changed a lot of things that have made the sport. Make sure you tell people that as well when you clip this off and try to get me in more trouble, Dan, with the I, UFC. I, I, I don't I don't perform gotcha journalism. That's not my yeah, thing. Make sure. Or, or I'm I'd just be probably saying, at the top right now. They they pro they they could they they could probably learn a lot from each other and use elements of each other, but it fires me up when I hear people say boxing is dead, boxing is dying. For me, I think it's a great time to be a boxing journalist. I think it's a great time to be a boxing fan promoter. All like it's a great time. There's there's almost every weekend there's a really interesting boxing card that I want to go out of my way to watch. Almost every weekend, I love it. And and you know you got the Zone doing their thing. They're kind of out of the MMA world. You got uh, ESPN doing their thing with Top Rank. I mean, there's like a lot of Showtime, of course. It's a good time. I don't I don't know what all the fuss is about. It's just it's just human nature. Uh, yeah. fans they like to complain but to be a boxing fan is to embrace the the circus embrace the red light district of it i've been exposed to it uh, at a very young age it, there are characters some of the most interesting uh confused com- complicated people are in this sport and it's it all gets wrapped into one and the fans that are diehards they love it it's it's it, they understand the, the chaos of it it's the it's the fan uh friends of mine that don't follow and they're like dude why is Aranda holyfield fighting yeah, or right. why, what is jake paul how, you, how did jake paul get to the top so fast and i'm like all right do you have like two hours for me to explain yeah <laughs> but it, it is what it is it, you have to if the fight it's a niche sport and it's a fun sport uh will it ever get to the top where with horse racing like it was in the tennis in like the 80s no, no. but it's still fun and it's still lucrative and, and that, that's why it, to put, make a put a bow on in this all is why guys like jake paul anderson silva are in the sport because it, there's money to be made it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a business model is there before we let you say uh, say goodbye because I, I know you're you're a very busy man with your, your many uh media outlets <laughs> one fight on the upcoming boxing schedule that is an absolute can't miss for you ariel hawani all right so i'll give you um i'll give you one that I want to see that's made and also one that isn't made yet that I really want to see the the two first that came to mind. The, the first one that came to mind was Joshua Usyk because uh, I really like watching Joshua fight. I know people have called him boring as of late since he got knocked out. I enjoy seeing a big man use his jab. I enjoy watching his speed, his footwork, all that stuff. I mean, I think he's an exceptional boxer and I kind of, you know, I kind of watch it with one eye open, one eye closed because I think we all want to see Joshua Fury at some point and we don't want to see him slip up. We don't want to see Fury slip up against Wilder. Um, It would be so boxing for them to slip up at this juncture. But that's one that comes to mind because, uh, you know, 
it's coming up on September 25th. I do love the uh, the Porter Crawford fight. I'm a big Crawford fan. Uh, I think he's great. He's not the most colorful character out there, but uh, I mean, how could you deny that he's uh, you know he's one of the best in the world? So that's a good one. It was just made. Uh, that's very exciting news. But I, I really want to. I can. Can I? Can I be honest with you to steal a term from the world of pro wrestling? I'm a big Katie Taylor mark. I love watching Katie Taylor fight. Anytime she fights, I go out of my way. I think Katie Taylor versus uh, Amanda Serrano would be a huge fight uh, in New York City. Could you imagine at the Garden with the Puerto Rican fans and the Irish fans? Um, I'm a big fan of women's boxing. It has come a long way. I like watching Clarissa Shields fight. I love watching Katie fight, Amanda Serrano, uh, Michaela Mayer. There's a lot of great uh, young female fighters. It's about time that they start to get the respect and the attention that they deserve. And what has always been the issue in women's boxing, in my opinion, has been like, there's been one person here in this weight class and maybe someone and like, it doesn't, here you have a situation. And I know 135 is probably a little too big for Amanda Serrano, although she has been there before. If you can make it at 135 and you can have these two tremendous fighters fight each other, maybe two and three pound for pound, if you have Clarissa number one, I personally think Katie's number one, but if you have Clarissa two or three, like that's an incredible fight with two passionate fan bases. I really hope, and wouldn't it be great Dan, and I know it's a bit of a tricky one with Lou and everything. We love Lou. But if Jake Paul and company is the one who's able to make that fight, I mean, the guy that everyone wants to see out of boxing, <laughs> if he's the guy that could make this fight, yeah, yeah. I think it would be great. He said it on, on your show this week that they're in talks and, you know, confirm. Uh, yeah, it, it would be big. It would be huge. And it would make sense for, uh, I think, uh, March. Uh, and Eddie has said this, too, is March before the uh, Saint, on the St. Patrick's Day at uh, the theater. It would be a scene and a half. And it's funny, women's boxing is something that I have a big passion for too. Working with Lou DeBella on his Broadway boxing series, the first ever, uh, you know, series to do an all women's show. You know, hosted the first ever all women's pay per view with, with Clarissa Shields, and I get crap for it uh, on Twitter because bo some boxing fans don't don't uh, appreciate the women, but they have the best stories. Ariel, the, oh, best, the best story, Alma Abara. Uh, who fought on the last show I was at in San Diego, was kidnapped the night before her Olympic trials. And she could not fight in the Olympic trials. She was held for over 24 hours. Her first words when she, when she got released were, what's wrong with my fight? Get me a fight. And she went on uh, to win her fight. And now she's potentially going to fight uh, Katie McCaskill or uh, Jessica McCaskill uh, in her next fight for the, all the belts at, at 147. The women's boxing has come such a long way. If we can put Taylor and Serrano in a fight, and then put Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall, who have a history, the only person to defeat uh, Clarissa Shields, albeit it was in the junior uh, Olympic circuit in 2009. That right there is the two biggest fights of the last 20 years in boxing outside of, you know, Layla Ali and, and right. Frazier's daughter, which was more of a hype job than it was an actual fight. But yeah, these that, are legitimate fights. And these that... are legitimate fights because the world of women's boxing has come such a long way. Yeah. So, so that's one that I would love to see happen. Obviously, I think we all want to see Fury and uh, Joshua. That would obviously be a big one. Um, I love watching Canelo these days. It's great to see him come. And man, I would love to see that Logan Paul fight. No, I'm just joking. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Logan Paul, is he retired now? Or did he retire Floyd? Man, what a scene. You weren't involved with that one, right? No, I was not. I was not involved with that one. I, I am more, I will be honest with you, and it has nothing to do with the fact that I worked that one. Like that was just one for me. Um, I'm more invested and interested. I'd love to get your thoughts on this on Jake than Logan. Like I, I think Jake has more skills and there's kind of like a roadmap to what he's doing. The Logan thing is like, eh, he shows up, he does the thing here or there. Um, also Jake is forming this promotion. Like there just seems 
like a more genuine interest in the sport of boxing as opposed to what like Logan to me is kind of in that celebrity world. Like Jake is, is creeping over to this side of the fence. So I'm not as big into the Logan fight. Oh, I think that's pretty clear. I think he yeah. will even tell you that, uh, you know, he was like <laughs> almost dumbfounded that he was in a ring with, with, with yeah. like Jake Paul is obviously taking it very serious. And uh, now with this promotion company, I think is a way to, for him to stay in the game. I don't know his shelf life in the actual ring. I don't know right. how long it is, but he can leave an imprint on the sport and really make things happen through this promotional company. And having him as a promoter would be tremendous, tremendous for boxing. But wow, Ariel, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I think that the main thing you can get from this conversation is that the world of boxing is interesting. It's thriving. I really believe it Amazing. outside of the cancellations that were outside of our or boxing's control uh, with the COVID and all the nonsense with that. It, it's uh, hopefully that's a thing of the past because this upcoming eight weeks in boxing could be tremendous. Mm-hmm. And that will then bleed into next year. You know, without even mentioning names like Ryan Garcia, Tank Davis. Uh, oh, I love Garcia. Oh, yeah. I mean, that whole 135-pound situation is tremendous. Uh, Garcia is amazing. What's your fight? That I want to see the most? Yeah. Uh, I would have to say Canelo. Canelo going to Fox uh, for all the business people out there, business, it's a big part of the sport. Uh, him going over to Fox and him uh, aligning with the PBC at this stage in his career, he's at the peak of his powers. And he's never been more popular, speaking English, blah, 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 face of the sport. And now he aligns with PBC and Fox, with the NFL and their marketing machine. Al Heyman can get his tentacles into Canelo, get him in a room and say, hey, listen, this is what I did for Floyd in the pay-per-view model. And I did it with Floyd from, from scratch. I have you at age 30 in the prime with so many big fights on the horizon for you. That's intriguing to me from the business side. And then once they get in the ring, I truly believe that Caleb Plant is the closest fighter to his prime that Canelo has faced in a long time. Uh, Golovkin was just on the tail end of his prime, and Golovkin gave Canelo fits. I had him beating him in the, in the first fight, and the second fight at Canelo, uh, edging out uh, Golovkin in that one. But the thing that Plant lacks in that fight is what you need to beat Canelo. That's volume, and that's power. Plant doesn't have volume, doesn't really have power, but he has the slickness. Slickness has given Canelo issues uh, back in the early part of his career, but he's made leaps and bounds. That fight to me, I feel like is, is can't miss Canelo Plant. The only thing I do not like about it is that it's going up against that massive UFC card at the Garden. Uh, I yes. would not be surprised if they bumped that, if they moved the Canelo fight off. Yeah, November 6th, uh, AEW, pro wrestling promotion, moved. Uh, they were on November 6th as well, and they moved um one week after we all remember what happened with canelo <laughs> the last time it's a meme he's yes. laying on a couch damn it they, they and that's something that canelo would to this day you know angers him he got humiliated uh, that night it was crazy i couldn't believe that they did that i could not believe that they did like, oftentimes when there's two events going on at the same time there's different audiences but even so like you got to forge forward and say like i'm the man I'm not waiting for uh, Diaz and Masvidal to fight. Like, what the hell, man? Especially in this era where you can just be on the zone. Their whole yeah. marketing plan is that you can watch the fight whenever. Yes. You can literally watch it at three in the morning in the, and on your phone and whenever you, in your bed. Like, yeah, that was a whole mess. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with that. But that's that's boxing for you. You can there's so many. It's a big spider web. But there are some really good fights uh, on the schedule. Uh, MMA world buzzing too. I, I think that they when they both thrive, it's good for the whole combat Amen. spectrum out there. So 
I'm excited. All right. You're not going to, you're not going to be able to take me down the negative side of things. I haven't looked at my Twitter since I put out the upcoming boxing schedule, but I know it's going to be littered with, I'm going to go on there now and talk some smack. <laughs> I know it's going to be littered with people telling me these fights aren't going to happen. And this sport sucks. And, uh, I, I just can't take it anymore. But I truly believe the minute that, that Joshua and Usyk step in that ring, September 25th, it washes away some of the very bad headlines that the sport of boxing has had over the last two to three weeks. And it sets off a great run because you can forget about everything after a good fight. There was nothing better than a big fight in all sports and that, that adrenaline afterwards, adrenaline beforehand. I'm excited. I can't wait. Ariel, you do a great job of covering the sport. Uh, I'd like to see you cover boxing more. I love it. Uh, getting your, your thoughts on it. And then, uh, man, uh, we got to do this again sometime soon. Anytime. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. All the best to you. Keep up the great work as well.